Some role players experience deep anxiety around playing and running games. Although I didn't realise it until recently, my gaming habits have been formed as much by social and generalised anxiety as they have by anything else. More than that, one of the most repeated comments I have received over the past three and a half years of producing this podcast has been the one about how much my honest talk about anxiety has resonated with others. This episode begins a new season of Roleplay Rescue and we're going to open up with a broad theme towards an anxious GM's guide to fantasy roleplaying. But what are roleplaying games? What's a GM? And why does gaming make me anxious? This is Season 11, Episode 1. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Jay, and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost roleplaying hobby. When I say an anxious GM's guide, I am specifically calling out my own anxieties and experiences. Just an anxious GM, just me, and just my experiences. That being said, over the past few years, I've realised that there are many fellow gamers who are anxious too. While my own journey has been full of struggles, it seems to me that there are a few things we can do to lessen the anxiety, and that's where I want to begin, with a thesis that we can, over time, make our anxieties less threatening. We can, slowly perhaps, overcome them. Of course, every person is different, and my anxieties are probably not the same as yours, if you even have them. What I have learned, though, through therapy and research, is that there are patterns to these behaviours, these feelings and thoughts, which are common enough to make talking about them valuable. In other words, I believe that by talking openly about both the problems and the solutions, some of us have discovered we might help others too. So this is one man's stab at talking openly about anxiety in the theatre of fantasy role-playing games, Your mileage may vary, and that's okay. And so we begin, moving towards an anxious gamer's guide to fantasy role-playing. Game on! What are role-playing games? As we begin any work on role-playing games, it's worth me taking some time to define what I mean by role-playing. And that's because the term has become muddied and indistinct over time, which is how language often works. I've delved around the web and read loads of those what is role-playing sections from a host of role-playing game books. Very few of them are satisfying. For the purposes of this show, I want to steal some useful thoughts from some other people and mash them into my own answer. Love him or hate him, the angry GM gives RPG advice with attitude. Angry writes, quote, Here's the deal. An RPG is about choice. 
That's what makes an RPG an RPG. Players project themselves into the minds of characters in another world, and they make choices. Those choices have outcomes. They have consequences. And from that, a game emerges. Choice is the single most important aspect of every RPG. At the heart of every RPG is the freedom to choose and a promise that choices have consequences. End quote. I like that definition because it cuts out all of the rubbish that tends to accumulate around the question of what makes a role-playing game a role-playing game. RPGs are about choice. You take on a role, defined as the function assumed or part played by a person or thing in a particular situation. You take on a role and you make choices from the standpoint of that role. Choices have consequences and, as Angry suggests, from those a game emerges. This is where I dislike the misuse of the word role-playing in the hobby community at large. For me, role-playing is just that, playing a role. Contrary to popular belief, role-playing is not the same thing as acting or performing. Role-playing is about making choices in role. Thus, when speaking of role-playing, I'm going to broadly define it as the act of making a decision in role as if I was the character whose part I am playing. If I am playing Thryn the warrior and I am facing a tough situation, the decision I make is role-played when it is made from the perspective of Thryn himself. What does he know? What does he think and feel about the situation? What choice would Thryn make? The second part of the phrase is, of course, game. Trying to define games is a task fraught with danger too, and I'm tempted to skip doing it. As the eminent researcher of role-playing games, John Peterson notes in his seminal text, Playing at the World, quote, The various practices we group under the word games share surprisingly little in common. Consider that under the rubric of games fall activities as disparate as baseball, I Spy, and Avalon Hill's tactics. This great diversity is nothing unique to modern times. End quote. I'll just ask you to consider, as Peterson suggests, that all games have rules, and the rules of a war game from which role playing games emerged constitute a system. Quote, Broadly, the system of a war game is the set of mechanisms that simulate the conditions and allow for the resolution of conflict. End quote. If we bring the angry GM's idea of choice within a role to meet Peterson's suggestion that games have rules to resolve conflict, then we are quite a bit closer to defining the medium. Players take on the roles of characters within a setting. The game master presents a situation to them and the players choose how their characters will act as much as possible from the perspective of those characters. Their actions have consequences when the actions lead to conflict and taking into account the conditions surrounding the situation, the rules of the game are used to adjudicate an outcome. From this outcome is created a new situation. Rinse and repeat. Alright then, so what's a GM? The term as I generally use it is an acronym for Game Master. To help define things, I'm going to quote liberally from Brian Jameson's Game Mastering. Quote, Every role-playing game requires at least two people, one game master and at least one player. 
The player is a real person who creates a fictional persona and during the game acts out the desires, actions and reactions of the fictional person as if they were their own. The character, aka PC player character, is the fictional persona the player acts out during the game. Although the player plays the character, the character is usually not the player. The player might play himself, but the representation of the player in the game world would still be a character. The Game Master, aka Dungeon Master, Storyteller, DM, GM, Referee, Judge, Narrator, etc. ad infinitum, listens to the desires of the players and crafts a story around those desires. The Game Master takes on the role of everyone else in the game universe, Game Master characters, describes settings and ultimately decides on the success or failure of every action a character attempts. End quote. It's not a perfect definition, as if such a thing could ever be crafted, but it's a firm start. I would further agree with Jameson when he describes the GM as neither against the player characters in an adversarial manner, nor is the GM truly neutral in relation to the player characters. I tend towards a fair adjudication of the game rules within the collaborative mindset of improvisational storytelling. I like the Alexandrian's advice about the spectrum of GM fiat. Quote, The easiest ruling for a GM to make is no. When you use no, everything is simple. There are no complications, no consequences. It's clean, tidy and definitive in its finality. That makes it an incredibly useful tool. It's also why you should basically never use it. What you actually want to do is almost the exact opposite. Default to yes. No inherently stagnates the action. It leaves the situation unchanged. Yes, on the other hand, implicitly moves the action forward. It creates a new situation to which both you and the players will now be forced to respond. The problem with always saying yes, however, is that it lacks challenge. It's boring and it's predictable. It's also not reflective of the way the world works. Failure or potential failure is part of life. This means that we need to add another tool to our repertoire. Yes, but. Yes, but adds to the idea proposed by the player. It enriches the player's contribution by making a contribution of our own. Unlike no, it doesn't negate. Unlike yes, it isn't predictable. But what happens if what the players want contradicts the known facts of the game world? Before we get back to no, we're going to make a pit stop at no but. End quote. The GM is the game master, the one who sets up the situations, asks the magic question of role-playing, what do you want to do? And then adjudicates the outcome using the rules as a tool to keep things consistent. I know that's seriously oversimplifying the concept, but you have to start somewhere. So here I am, an anxious GM for a role-playing game. What am I to do? Why does running a role-playing game trigger my anxiety? Anxiety is, at the heart of it, a response to uncertainty. I am the type of human being who is highly sensitive to uncertainty. 
I can detect uncertain moments almost subconsciously. It's like having a radar for stuff that's not very clear, anything ambiguous and everything vague, including this episode. Because role-playing games involve other people, they are inherently filled with uncertainty. How will the other people behave? What characters will they create? How will they respond to the situations you present? What will the dice results generate during play? And so on. On one level, it's a nightmare, and I should avoid RPGs like the plague. But of course, RPGs are highly enjoyable because they involve my friends, and because they are, by their nature, about exploring possibilities. I like being with friends, and hanging out playing these games is loads of fun because they allow me to explore places, people and things using my imagination. The key insight around my own preferences for play, what Stuart Brown calls my play personality, is that I blend three key elements, exploring, creating and storytelling, in one glorious packet when I take part in role-playing games. Being in charge is even worse because it triggers my social anxiety. That is, my imagined self-image is problematic because I often get worried about the uncertainties around how other people view me. How are they judging me in this situation? What do they think? As much as I might like to believe I can mind-read and predict my friend's thoughts and feelings, the truth is that I can't. Thus uncertainty, thus anxiety. So far, so good. I'll delve deeper into the psychology as far as this layman has been able to understand it throughout the season as it becomes relevant. The reason why role-playing games really cause me, as a GM, both anxiety and delight is due to their very nature as uncertain games. Unlike chess or other board games, RPGs are flexible games. Instead of clear, fixed and easy-to-grasp rules, the role-playing game tradition has adopted a flexible, provisional and ambiguous relationship with the rulebook. In other words, RPGs are, by their very nature, open to interpretation. This is their unique strength. It's also the big trigger for me as an anxious person. When I make decisions as a GM, I am often bedeviled by unhelpful thoughts, both in the moment and afterwards. What will people think is the big question. Add to that the need for a GM to prepare for a game, an unusually broad term that means different things to different GMs, and you see my challenge. So why play them at all? The question of why we play is fairly obvious from the inside, but opaque to anyone who hasn't really tried it. Counterintuitively, RPGs are really good for us. In her book The Functions of Role-Playing Games, social psychologist Sarah Lynn Bowman discusses why people play. Participants in role-playing games create community, solve problems and explore identity. Firstly, we play games to create community. Given that this is why I do almost anything I love, it's no surprise that role-playing games appeal to me. We create community, Bowman suggests, through a combination of quote, role-shifting, ritual enactment narrative construction and the utilisation of archetypal imagery, end quote. In other words, we take on the role of a character. This isn't terribly new, by the way. We all play different roles in our daily lives, naturally shifting from one to another. On a weekend, I'm a husband and son and friend more than I'm a teacher, for example. 
a shift into each role as the need arises. What makes the role-playing game different is that it forms a recent permutation on the traditional role-shifting involved in artistic expression, such as the parts played by artists or performers. We just get to do it with our friends and in a less formal manner. We do this role-shifting together in a communal setting through the ritual enactment of the game. From this activity, we get to construct a narrative, what some people call a story, in a collaborative format. This in turn allows us to use the deep archetypal images that are drawn from the well of myths, epics and fairy tales. Doing this together draws us together as people. We learn to accept one another through experimenting with the various roles we can each assume. We subconsciously let go of the idea that identity is fixed and learn to embrace difference at the gaming table. This whole process is, by the way, a lot of fun too. It's a great release from the reality that envelopes our everyday life and it opens up possibilities for new ways to experience life. Instead of being a teacher in a classroom, I get to be a cunning thief or a powerful wizard. I can be a hardy space grunt or a bold tomb raider. Each role allows me to explore new elements of my own personality and discover the richness that lies within the imagination. On the one hand, role-playing games are amazing outlets for creative energy and top-flight communal activities. On the other hand, RPGs are inherently uncertain games which trigger my anxiety. And that's why I love them, and it's also why they frequently cause me pain. This season, I want to explore the ways in which I have been learning to tame the anxiety and get more from my role-playing game hobby. The first trick has been to adopt an experimental mindset. Great, I hear you say, but what's an experimental mindset? In short, it's a mental tool my therapist gave me about two years ago. It transformed my ability to challenge my anxieties, and it's three steps. You set up an experiment and you predict the outcome, writing it down. You do the experiment and you gather data on the outcome. You review the data and compare it to your prediction. Yes, it's basically doing the scientific method. In November 2020, I entered therapy for the first time. As I approached running a role-playing session, I spoke about my fears to my therapist. At that time, she asked me to treat the session as an experiment. My prediction was suitably gloomy. The game would be terrible, the players would hate it, and then they wouldn't want to play with me anymore. I would end up alone and friendless. No, I'm not exaggerating. These were my anxieties speaking. The problem at the time was that I saw preparation as needing hours of work, far longer than the session time, lots of notes, maps and details to figure out. It was exhausting and less than fun. My therapist's suggestion was to experiment with a one-hour time limit on prep. I predicted it would make things worse and I would fail faster during the session. We wrote it all down. But, dutifully, I ran the experiment. A one-hour timer and minimal, as I saw it then, prep. The game went ahead. Feedback was positive, but most importantly, I realised that I ran a better game. Less encumbered by notes and more able to focus on the players, I enjoyed it more. A lesson was learned, and so I began other experiments. The experimental mindset is just that, a mindset, a way of thinking about things. But for me, it has been an important and life-changing mindset. A year and a half on, I have changed many aspects of my role-playing gaming. Experiments continue. 
In fact, I treat each session with the mindset of provisionality and looking for learning. It's all experimental to me now. And this has been healthier for me. It's given my hobby new life. Through many ups and downs, struggles and hitches, I have been experimentally minded and come through stronger. So that's my first tip. Experiment. Small experiments first. Set up a tiny little experiment and predict the outcome, writing it down. Do the experiment and gather data on the outcome. Review the data and compare it to your prediction. Repeat. So all of that said, what is Roleplay Rescue offering in this new season? I think there are three main things. First, I'm going to share what I've learned and I'm continuing to learn about being the GM for my friends while working to unwind anxiety. Secondly, I'm going to propose approaches and tools that have worked for me in making my experience of running role-playing games more enjoyable and more playful. Lastly, I'm going to share my experiments and their outcomes in the spirit of offering you a route away from unhelpful attitudes and behaviours and towards a healthier expression of this hobby. Along the way, I have conversations with friends and at least one interview with a game designer to share. Mine is not the only voice. And I have questions from listeners and comments from patrons which will enrich the journey and give us new things to think about. And through it all, I'm going to share some of the experiences of play that have been occurring at my table and in some of the games run by other GMs in which I have played. Thank you for listening to this introduction, and I hope you'll join me for the ride. Game on. As you know, I love to hear from you. If you've got a question or comment, then please hop over to speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue, where you can leave a 90-second message. That's speakpipe, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E, dot com slash roleplayrescue. Alternatively, hop over to the blog at roleplayrescue.com and press the button on the top right hand, which will take you right there. As ever, I'll stick the links in the show notes. This week I have a message of appreciation from last season. Thank you so very much for this, Jason. And some comments on Season 10's Episode 16 on the topic of making prep doable from Brian. I think I'll just play them without any further comment and I hope that you'll find them as encouraging and helpful as I did. Thank you so much to those callers. Hello, Roleplay Rescue. How are you doing? Just discovered your fantastic podcast less than a week ago and I've listened to several episodes. I particularly enjoyed the episode um, where you um, interview your dad. That was great. He sounds like such a fantastic and intelligent chap. Um, I bet he's got some awesome knowledge on uh, military units, as as you have as well by the sound of it. So that was particularly good. Um, I, I just really enjoyed the podcast. I listen to it when I'm cleaning, when I'm pacing back and forth with my nine-month-old baby, who's actually I'm carrying now, who's trying to grab my phone. Um, Yeah, great podcast. I particularly love it when you mention specific game products, um, which I can then go and research. Um, I haven't played any RPGs since the 80s. I'm 49 now, and I've just been getting back into it over the last year or two and although I haven't had very much time to actually get to a gaming table I've um, been listening to a lot of podcasts and YouTube channels even maybe my own little channel um, just to 
kind of experience it and I think that's one of the things that people enjoy about your channel is that they might be driving they might not have very much time to gain but they can enjoy a role-playing experience by listening to your podcast and other podcasts and other YouTube channels and it just wasn't around this just wasn't around when I gamed in the 80s you know it was very much insular you had your group of school friends and that was it you never knew that anyone else in the role-playing world existed <laughs> but look at it now I've just recently moved with my family to Chatham in Thailand and I'm messaging you in the UK saying great podcast so I just think that it's as you mentioned in a, a previous uh, episode you can find your tribe you can find your group of like-minded people and um, share the passion so from Jason Lee I'd just like to say thank you and uh, maybe I'll uh, send you another message um, from time to time great work all the best Aloha Che it's Brian here wanted to give you some feedback on episode 16 the preparation episodes are some of my favorite mainly because I do get a bit of anxiety when thinking about prep and even to the point I don't know that it's overwhelming for me, but but definitely to the point of making me question, why why am I doing this? Can I reschedule the game? Can I push it? Um, I've gotten into a pretty good groove with my son, and actually it's the same thing uh, that I tried to do when we were running games for him and some of his friends, and even when we did some online, which was <laughs> to, to make it as uh, more of a... I'd say to try to reduce my own stress and, and to be more minimal prep only to make myself feel better. The other thing is it made me feel more engaged with them during the game so that I, I definitely did a little bit of improv, but it I found it opened things up and I don't know if it's because they're younger, they're more excited, although as I find out, uh, my son and some of the others, oh, they know a lot of the ins and outs of the rules and... Um, in a good way, um, what I'll tend to do is let them run with it. And so it's helped me out. But getting back to the episode, I really like the way that you are laying this out and using tiny habits. And I think you've quoted, or at least at one point before, uh, if not, I'm mistaken, and you should definitely add this, but Atomic Habits uh, by James Clear, which I think has a lot of influence from Tiny Habits, and I'm sure has references to it. Um, I haven't read it ooh, in a little while, read it when it came out, but similar in terms of you know the way that you frame things. And I like your suggestions of, of when you sit down, you know, what things maybe make the biggest impact, but also kind of translate to maybe... Uh, not not even necessarily the easiest things to do, but those things to do, which actually at the end of it, like you said, make give gives you that sense or that 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 step of accomplishment. I'm starting to think that you, you you're stumbling onto a whole new podcast series. It's because this is really you're you're almost into the world of. Uh, of uh, the productivity hacks, and, and, and I'm not saying hacks to try to make that a, a derogatory, but I mean, you know, the productivity systems and, and your gaming, you could, you could call it uh, uh, P for productivity and dragons D, P and D maybe, anyway, but uh, I am, uh, yeah, can super, super geek out over productivity stuff because I found that definitely over the last, well, more than 10 years, 
I tried to do a lot of the similar things with the day job just to keep track of everything. Definitely from a project management standpoint, definitely even a lot of the technical management and things that I did. I would try to use different tips and tricks and systems and, and found that I w was doing better, or at least as, as viewed by that, being able to you know get things done and follow up on things, mainly because of the productivity systems. Um, so I, I don't see why it wouldn't be just as effective to use it for games. So yeah, give it give it some thought. I'd be happy we could record a few sessions. We could break out the uh, the David Allen getting things done. We can talk about some some uh, Franklin Covey. You know, maybe even do some uh, some bullet journal. Yeah, there's a whole it's a whole wide world. These are the things you get from Roleplay Rescue. <laughs> Good to hear you're still putting out episodes. Cheers. That's it for this episode. Big thank you once again for showing up and listening. Thanks also to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. You folks are the heart of this community and I appreciate you all, especially for sticking with me through the longest ever gap between seasons. Thank you, one and all. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next time. Game on.